Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Are you ready for season three of Discography? Yeah! We're jumping into the deep end of The Who. Not only will we go through every Studio Who album in great detail, but their story is often told between albums, so we'll be touching on non-album singles, the solo works of Keith Moon, John Entwistle, Roger Daltrey, and Pete Townsend, and some of the events that would make a record begin as a concept and land as something that would universally change the world. Discography returns to Consequence Podcast Network in January of 2019. Until then, be lucky. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, do me a favor, take a second before we get started and hit that subscribe button. Wherever you're listening from right now, I'm sure there is a subscribe button. Uh, that counts for Apple Podcasts, Acast, Podchaser, iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. You can hit subscribe in any of those places. I put out multiple interviews every single week and would love to keep you up to date on all of them. I'm Kyle Meredith. Uh, my guest today is Juliana Hatfield. This is like our third interview in three years. Uh, this time we're talking about her newest record. It's called Weird. And as we'll talk about, it's, it's a bit of a love letter to the four walls around her and 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 she'll explain a little bit about what that means as well as breaking down some of the songs like uh, all right yeah and broken doll which gets into self-image she'll also tell me about the time that she recently met liz fair for the first time and if you know the history of the two artists that's really surprising there's a really interesting story behind that as well and then we'll roll back the clock 25 years to talk a little bit about her inclusions on the soundtracks to reality bites and my so-called life it's kyle meredith with Juliana Hatfield. Hi, Kyle. Before I get too deep into this, you know, this is our third time talking in three years. And, and of course, we caught up last time about uh, the Olivia Newton-John covers record. I wore that out all through the year. That ended up being one of my all-time favorites of, uh, of 2018. So still playing around our house anyway. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I mean, does, does this seem like you've been busier than usual? Or is it just because there was a, a covers record thrown in that sort of gives it that perception? feel it's funny I still feel like I'm kind of lazy I feel like 
I mean, you know, I completed the new album, Weird. I completed it, I don't know when, like a couple of months ago or something. And, and I haven't written a song since then. So I feel like, why haven't I written another <laughs> album yet? You know, I think I'm always really um, pretty pretty prolific, at least compared to what other songwriters say they are like. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I feel, I don't feel like I've been more busy than usual because I usually am working on something if it even if it's something that is never released yeah. i don't know if i answered your question at all no, my brain is only at sort of like half capacity working right now you did because it, once you said that it sort of dawned on me i mean I, I think i remember reading at some point down the line i mean you've released like well over 20 records and especially well over 20 records when you count the collaborations and everything else so that's that's yeah a- I'm a, i like to keep busy i, I feel like this is my this is my work and People with jobs that are not in the arts, they don't get to take months off. You know, why should I get to take months off? Right. I should. I, I feel like I should always be working, even if it's just writing or practicing my instruments. You know, I, I like to keep doing my work, even if it's behind the scenes, because that's what I do. It's my work. Well, as a fellow obsessive, I completely respect that. <laughs> and as a fan, it just means I get more music all the time, so I'm completely happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and also I have... I, I have the freedom to be able to release two records in a year because um, Joe at American Laundromat Records is very amenable to my my fast pace of put, putting out what's that word a spewing out records. <laughs> I can spew it out, and he can get it. He can turn them around really fast, which uh-huh. I like. Well, with Weird, then, let's get into the new record here, because, um, I don't know, if if songwriting, you know, it's usually a reflection of the writer, at at least in some way. I mean, even if you're doing a character study, but it seems like, and and I'll see if I'm on the right track here, it does seem like you're taking a more direct look than usual. And, you know, I'll back up to the Pussycat record, which had you kind of going back to your childhood in certain parts, and, and it almost feels like this record is like how you came to be who you are. Like, this is, I don't know, is that close? I think it is. It's. It's really um, being honest about who I am, and it's—I guess it's just the, the idea is that maybe I'm finally accepting who I am, and I'm not fighting it so much. And where, whereas a lot of my earlier music is about me fighting who I am and trying to pushing against my instincts, and now I'm kind of just accepting it. I think. I mean, it also sounds like the album is a bit of a love letter. Uh, in a skewed sort of way, you know, a love letter to four walls, I guess. Yeah, it, it, yeah. And my original concept was that I was going to make an album. You know, well, you know how there are a lot of rock songs about freedom, like Free Bird. Literally, I'm, I'm you know, Free Bird, and you can't tie me down, baby. And you know, I'm gonna all those songs about just like traveling in Rome, Rome. Mm-hmm. You know, all this, all those songs. But I wanted this album originally it was going to be the opposite of that and it was about the comfort of being in a the comfort of living in a very small radius of a few blocks like living in a small apartment and venturing out only to ever travel the same few block radius and and how that doesn't have to be a bad thing but I was gonna I wanted to explore the the wonders of that kind of isolation and how and the freedom of it actually because it's like free you know you hear people talk about freedom and there when you when your choices are limited that is kind of freedom because you have to you have to come up with clever ways of working within confines and having too many choices, it can be overwhelming. I mean, it's it's an album that's specifically personal, but completely relatable. Like, I get every bit of that. Well, I think it's probably relatable to some people, but some people might not find it so relatable. <laughs> I mean, there are people who might not understand the joys of solitude. And, you know, making, you know, I, oftentimes I'll... I, I more and more I make the choice to be alone when I don't have to be, and I'm sure there's lots of people who w- wouldn't understand that making the choice to be alone rather than the alternative. I mean, I you know I'm I'm married, so that that part doesn't exactly relate to me. But at the same time, I choose to do 99% of my interviews over the phone because <laughs> because of something version of that, you know? That's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I have a thing about um. I don't know what the, how you could diagnose this thing that I have. It's like some kind of, it's like I get, I get, um, it's like I can almost only use one sense at a time. And it's like when I'm, when I'm in the studio and I'm listening back to something I've recorded, I find myself involuntarily putting a hand over my eyes because I can, 
I can hear better when my eyes are blocked. So it's like that with um, any kind of social interaction. I, 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 I find it distracting. Just It distracts me from a conversation if I'm looking at someone's face. It's, it can really be discombobulating. So in that way, I, I totally understand your doing it, wanting to do interviews over the phone because right now I'm just utilizing my um, my hearing sense. You, 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 a second ago, you know, you, you're talking about it sort of, you know, coming to peace with with you know your, yourself and and this type of freedom. Did you find I don't know which direction it came from? Like, did the album help you realize that, or did you realize that and say I would like to write about that? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Maybe it was both. I don't know. I, I think I'm. I think it's just the process. Being getting comfortable with as someone who came from a kind of a dysfunctional background and struggled a lot with emotional problems, I think that um, it's just the process of becoming comfortable with what and who I am. You know, it's taken me a long time to get to the place where I can accept who I am with all of my quirks and my emotional disabilities. That's what I call them. Um, I mean, everyone has them. Uh-huh. I assume. I assume. Yeah, it's hard because there's there's just a lot of it's it's hard to accept certain things about oneself. Um, but once you do, if you can accept them, um, it it can make life a lot better. And I'm finding that life just is getting better because I'm not fighting against who I am so much. You know, if not everybody can relate to the lyrics, I do believe that. Well, at least I could say. For the folks who can't relate to the lyrics, they can at least relate to the music on here because, you know, I, I do want to compliment you on that side as well. Like, okay. I'm, draw- I'm drawn to All Right, Yeah. That's one of my favorites instantly off of it. It feels like it's an anthem for people who var- aren't very anthemic themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's a really simple song. Um, I mean, the origins of it, it was about a heat wave. It was really hot last summer and humid here in Boston, and it was I was miserable. I just hate. I don't like the summer to begin with, but when it gets really humid and hot, I just like it makes me insane. It was agonizing, and so I was trying. While I was waiting out this heat wave, waiting for it to break and let up, I was I was working on the song and I was trying to make something good out of it. You know, like trying to be positive, thinking like like you know this is. This wave is gonna break. I'm just, you know, I'm gonna dance around. I'm sweating. I'm just like, I'm dealing with it. So yeah. But I'll flip that. You know, the opposite side of that is a track like "Broken Doll," which you know that does seem like the anthem for any of us. You know, for all of us, because you know, God knows what we all think when we, I don't know, look into a mirror or or you take a second to evaluate ourselves. I, you know, I, I don't think there's a person on the planet other than a few extremely narcissistic people, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, who who don't think those things. You know, as a as a woman who whose image has been captured a lot in in photographs and videos, I have to I have I have had to grapple with the issue of image. You know, what what am I projecting? What are people picking up from these images that I put out? And I've always been really conflicted about image. Uh, you know, what I don't I never knew. I never really knew what I wanted to present to people. I just wanted to be myself, and I wanted to be simple and honest. But it it never really came across that the way I wanted it to. And so I just think about I think about other people in the public eye and the images, women and the images they project, and the way a lot of them present their sort of like most groomed selves and get they get all dolled up and you know lots of paint and hairspray and. I was just kind of thinking about that stuff, and then, and then I was and comparing myself to that. I feel like um, I'm not I'm not a Barbie doll. I don't I don't look perfect like a Barbie doll. I'm, I'm a broken doll. That's how I feel, and I'm okay with it, you know, because I, I I always wanted to project a true image of myself, which is a little bit rumpled and imperfect. And also, but after I wrote the song and recorded it, I realized that oh, it's actually a song about aging. I, I didn't. I was just trying to write about you know, what it feels like, how I feel, what it feels like to be me, what I see in the mirror. But there are definitely parts of the song that are about things that happen to a body after a certain age, like the, just like the teeth start falling apart, you know, like your teeth, the teeth just go. And, you know, I've had a couple of root canals and, and one of the, and I have a crown, a couple of crowns and one of them wasn't, wasn't put on right. And so when I brush my teeth, sometimes I'm spitting out blood. So I wrote about that. And then you get that. Then you get the hairs that start sprouting in weird places that never did before. 
Is this too real? Is this too much information? Can the people handle this? Yeah, you know, the nice thing about this is this is not the type of, of lyrics that, you know, three quarters of songwriters will dare write about. One, because they're just too young, you know, and for a lot of folks, they, you know, they give up the dream by a certain point. So they never make it to the point where they can write about this, at least in a, you know, with a public platform or whatever. So it's, I think it's really great. And, and in a sense, you know, I don't want to, you know, paint too big of a, uh, with a too big of a brush here, but I think it's important that you're writing about this too. My whole songwriting career has been about just writing about the truth as I see it. And so I'm going to continue to write about the, my, about my truth. And I think, you know, getting, getting to a different age, Getting into a different age group, that opens up a whole realm of, of um, subject matter. You know, like the older, the older I get, the more things I will experience that I, I did not experience when I was younger. So that, to me, that's just like more material to work with. Right. And I, I don't think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of music about youth. And I, at my age, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be writing songs about being 20 years old because that wouldn't make sense. And I've never I've never been a writer who does character studies. Really, it's kind of all about me. I'll take a I want to take a, a sort of a sliver uh, of a thread of something you said a minute ago because when you were talking about the way uh, image has handled, and I was thinking especially in the music industry. Uh, over your career, if I remember right, uh, there was a time recently when when you and Liz Fair were on stage together, and I, I feel like one of you all had said that that was the first time you had ever met, because during you know during your beginnings, like that, you, women were pitted against each other. Yeah, Liz said that she um, that yeah, this was just a few months ago when we like we met. She was in town and she asked me to sing. We did Please, Mister Please together with her band um, at, during her show in Boston. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't believe that we had never met before because we're the same age. We came up in the same scene and we know a lot of the same people and have worked with a lot of the same people. And it was just kind of baffling that we had never met. But it's true that, um, yeah, that happened. I remember, I have a vague memory of the primitives. Like they were, I remember hearing, like I was in, like we we couldn't there was some show that i was maybe going to play on the bill with the primitives but they didn't someone from her camp didn't want me on the bill because i because the only or maybe it was the club didn't want me on the bill because i was already a woman singer and like that kind of that kind of ridiculousness happened it did it was like you know it's still like i'm sure playlists today i've been hearing things about nash like country radio nashville like they they still have i think they probably maybe still have quotas like you can only play a certain number of female artists in an hour like it's just it's total bullshit i think people just people i don't know where they come up with these strategies because i think when i think people just want to hear good music no it's i can i can speak for that it's it's just sexist i think oh exactly absolutely i mean i'm very lucky to work at the type of radio station that i work at you know we're we're a non-commercial public radio station, uh, technically AAA to, to get in the weeds of that one. But uh, but when I came in, which was over a decade ago, there were still rules in place from the from the folks who used to run the music here, where you couldn't play more than two or three women in a row. And and I didn't understand that because uh, fuck, I don't know. It's because exactly everything you're saying is just stupid. It's I know, like who came up with those? I don't know. Rules? Was it market research or something? No, I, it was. It's just sexist so. men. That's all it was. Because I instantly got rid of that rule, and now we can play three hours of women if you want, or a whole day, and no one, no, no one has ever right? called. Never have they <laughs> ever called to say, oh, man, that's just too many. No, and, and our ratings have only gone up every single year. So Yeah, it's just sexism. It's, it's silly. It's ridiculous, and it's, and it's still, um, it still lingers. You know, that stuff is still happening. Well, see, you know, on the on the positive side, uh, not of that, but uh, on the positive side of of uh, I think of you and Liz, you know, having music out as you do these days, there is that whole new group of artists who are calling both of you as you know some of their main influences, and we play a lot of them, and you can hear it, and it's just kind of it's really cool to kind of hear that all come back around, and you know these these young artists I say using that sound like they're stealing it in any way, you know, but uh, but definitely you know waving that flag, I guess. Yeah, people have been saying that to me. I don't, I don't listen to a lot of music lately, but um, 
I, there's definitely things I want to check out. The people have people have been telling me they're they're hearing me as an influence, and um, I guess I don't listen to enough music. I really should get better at that. <laughs> I don't think it's affected your songwriting, at least. And I say that again as a fan. So there's yeah, that. Well, I, yeah, I, I think maybe I'm just trying to stay pure when I, when I'm writing. I don't I don't want to be influenced by anything. You know, I've written songs before, and I've and I have these once in a while, and you know, in the middle middle of a night. I'll wake up and I'll think, oh my God, did I did I hear that somewhere in my childhood? Did I did that melody come from something I heard before? You know, I'll have these panics that maybe something that I thought I was original, maybe I it was some came up bubbling up from my unconscious, like it was a melody from that someone I heard somewhere. But um, as far as I know, all of my songs are totally original. I've never listened to one of your songs and thought it, it sounded like anything else, for what it's worth. Okay, so. good. <laughs> I hinted at the past right there. I do want to ask one question, and, and it's just because I, I end a lot of my interviews you know, talking about big round anniversaries. I'm a sort of <laughs> fan of that. Uh, and while you don't have any actual albums that, that fit that category, uh, it is the 25th anniversary of both soundtracks to Reality Bites and My So-Called Life, two yeah. of the most 90s soundtracks of all time, which you happen to be a part of mm. both of. Oh, wow. I got a gold record for the... Um, reality bite soundtrack. I mean, I it went gold at some point, and I I badgered my manager. I'm like, hey, why don't I get one of those? I'm on that soundtrack. Get me a gold record, damn it! And so my manager made some calls, and they sent me one. You know, like a framed. Cause it's like my it's my oh that I was gonna say it's my only gold record, but actually I'm on the. I, got, I also badgered them to get me a gold record for the Lemonheads. It's a shame about Ray oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. I played bass on. So I've never had a gold record of my own, but I'm involved in a couple of them. Yeah. I had a song on on the Reality Bite soundtrack. And it's a great song. I mean, Spin the Bottle is still, you know, it's one of my all-time favorites. I mean, that whole soundtrack, too. And, I don't uh, even remember what's on it. What else is on it? Uh, well, so you had uh, Squeeze, you know, that oh. they redid their Tempted. It was Tempted 94, and that was uh, one of the mm. big ones. And in Big Mountain... Did the cover of mm. Baby I Love Your Way and Ethan Hawke and of course Lisa Loeb. That was her big oh, breakthrough. Right. Yeah. That was her big smash. Yeah. Right. It's a good one. And and you know, so is my so called life. It's like I said, it's just you just happen yeah. to be on two of the most quintessential nineties compilations I think I could have ever thought of. So it's, Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> both celebrating twenty five years. Uh, oh. Juliana, I always appreciate all the time you give me, and uh, I definitely appreciate all the music that you keep making and uh, and congratulations on Weird. It's another Thank fun one. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kyle. I'll see you around. Okay, bye. Right, take care, bye. Bye. That's Juliana Hatfield talking about her brand new record called Weird. Now, for you hardcore fans, or, or maybe the you that just want to dig a little deeper, I'm going to include two more interviews that I've sort of recently had with Juliana Hatfield. I've mentioned that she's been very busy, and her last two releases we also got to catch up with. Uh, we'll start with uh, one that happened just last year in 2018 discussing her Olivia Newton-John's covers record, and then I'll include one that happened right before that when she released the record Pussycat. First with the uh, ONJ Love, which also has some news on her wanting to collaborate with Paul Westerberg again, as she had done in the past, and some more history on her uh, first release, her first solo record, Hey Babe. We get into all of that. More from Kyle Meredith with Juliana Hatfield. Hi, Kyle. It's Juliana. Well, first off, so you, you announced this Olivia Newton-John record uh, a couple months ago, a few months ago, whatever it is, and I think I might have squeaked a little bit just the <laughs> anticipation of what this might sound like, and now that I've heard it, it's everything that I ever could have dreamed for. So thank you for this. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I mean, because I, I knew that I would liked what I had done, but I, there was, I had a little twinge of worry that um, some of her hardcore fans might be really sensitive about it, you know, and I, di- I didn't want to make anyone think that I was disrespecting her or the originals in any way, because it was just like a total, totally sincere love of her that made me want to do this. Well, I'd also read that, though, you know, last time you and I talked was behind the Pussycat record, which was a very heavy record uh, lyrically and ideologically. And mm-hmm. uh, I heard that this was sort of also used as an escape from all of that. Is, is that right? It, yeah, well, it it wasn't consciously done as a reaction to Pussycat, but I think it was a reaction to all the just anger and negativity that I had 
I had been feeling when I was creating Pussycat. I think I just naturally gravitated toward something, well, something that's more beautiful and positive, which is how I think of Olivia Newton-John and her music. And just it was just like a complete pendulum swing away from the ideas on Pussycat. What, not consciously, it just kind of happened, and just an escape to some place that's nicer than the real world right yeah. now. I mean, it was sort of a random, it's, it was almost could have been maybe the most random artist, you know, you've ever could have picked, for the fans at least. I mean, we don't know your <clears> personal <throat> life, obviously, so we couldn't have seen that coming. But, I mean, Olivia has these great songs. She was never really considered one of one of the cool kids, I guess you could say, but her music is classic. I mean, it's... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have any guilty pleasures in my life. I'm not, I don't feel embarrassed about anything in terms of the music that I listen to. And I've always proudly loved Olivia Newton-John, and I talk about her. I, someone sent me an interview from, an old interview I did from, like, 1996, and I talk about how much I love Olivia Newton-John in that interview oh, wow. in 1996. And, and um, yeah, but she's definitely not appreciated by everyone. Like, she's probably not a hipster's favorite artist, but I never care about being cool you know i'm not I, maybe that's why i like her so much is because i don't think that i'm cool and i don't think that a lot of people think i'm cool and you know some people don't think she's cool but i feel i feel an affinity or something with her you're all cool in my book that's an easy yeah, setup for, for me there <laughs> Thanks. so my little story of olivia newton john is i was born in 1981 i'm 36 and mm-hmm. physical was the number one song when I was born. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of people, we look back and we, you know, especially mu- us music geeks, was like, oh, what was the big song when you, when you came out or whatever? I've mm-hmm. always had this connection to that song. You don't remember it, though, because you were just a born. You no, were of course born. I don't remember it. No, but, but knowing that it was in the world and in the air at the same time that I was breathing the new air, it's been sort of a cool thing for me. Well, you know, I was born in the summer of love, and I'm sure there was tons of great music around then. But I don't know. I was more of a '70s. I was a '70s child, and so all the all my favorite music is probably in the '70s. A lot of it. I just I very I feel very nostalgic for that era yeah. when I was a child. Well, especially I mean, we look at our coming of age years, you know, for whatever years those really hit you. And for a lot of us, that's what we look back on. Um, it just so happens a lot of your music falls into my coming of age years. Uh-huh. So it's, you know, that's yeah. why I've always had that connection with uh, with all of your records, too. So there's, you right. know, the little likeness there. I, I want to thank you. I was not familiar with the song Totally Hot. Uh, that's my new favorite song. Oh, have you heard Olivia Newton-John's version? Yeah, I went back and it's listened very, to it. Di- very different. Yeah, it's very different. I love your it's version. Sort of, oh, thanks. Yeah, that's one of the ones that we reinterpreted a lot. We we changed it a lot in per- in terms of the feel and the delivery her her version's more kind of white funky and we made it like well my idea was to do it like the faces kind of groove and um i don't know if it really turned out like that but it's yeah it's definitely more like sloppy and sleazy than her version <laughs> i love it it's like i said it's my new favorite song right now i can't get Good. enough of it <laughs> When you're covering someone so closely like this, is there a chance to learn more about their their art? It, it seems like it would be like a more intimate education. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, just in terms of the mechanics and the technical stuff, I, I have a new appreciation for her voice as an instrument. Because although I'd always sung along to her stuff, you know, at home and in the car and in the shower, probably, um, when trying to do it in the studio at full voice and to try to really nail the melodies, it was really challenging. And I, I really really, I really could appreciate just physically how much work she's doing with her voice. And um, also the songwriting is really impressive. A lot of the, a lot of the stuff was just like challenging with the word in the studio um just trying to get it all together some some of the songs had a lot of chords in them and some really complicated chords with interesting voicings and um yeah it's, there's a lot of craft and skill in that in that in those songs yeah i was listening to i think it's magic sounds like it would be one of those songs that would have been a little bit harder to to pull off yeah it was it was tough trying just trying to figure out how to play a lot of the voicings and 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 a lot of the songs have multiple keyboard parts and um multiple just a lot of tracks going on in in the in the brew of each song and it and there was 
a lot of really intense close listening that I did to try and pick out all the parts and to try and decide what I wanted to play and what I wanted to leave out and what I wanted to reimagine. It was like it's a humongous jigsaw puzzle. We should point out too uh, the proceeds to this. You're you're donating uh, the proceeds, some of the proceeds to the Cancer Wellness Center, right? Yeah, it's a, do- a dollar from each album sale. I'm not sure how that's going to work out with if people buy individual tracks, but a portion of every sale is going to go to the Olivia Newton-John um, Cancer Center. Yeah, which helps people with um, you know with research and with their wellness in dealing with their um, illness, <laughs> wellness illness. Yeah. You know, it's Wellness and Research Center for Cancer in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, and I know any time's a good time to to help out a cause like that, but it's especially well-timed because she just went through uh, her own battle, right? Yeah, she had um, a recurrence. She had she had breast cancer a long, oh, like maybe like more than 20 years ago. I'm not sure, but she had breast cancer then, and then she was in, I guess she was in remission for a long time, and then it, um, the, it came back recently, or last year. And that's when I decided to make this album, when... When I heard that I had tickets to see her play a concert and it was canceled because she was dealing with her health issues. And that was when I thought of making the album. Now, I saw that uh, that she did a post on it, had heard it. Uh, have you been able to talk to her about the record yet? Have you, have you met her? No, I haven't made actual contact, but it's it's just been great to hear from her and, to, and just the fact that the that her the the center in Melbourne was um into us yeah. doing it and you know like asso- associating the thing with the cancer center was really nice of them to get involved you know to let us be involved um and the other interesting part of all this too uh, i think i read that paul westerberg did the art uh, well he he did a drawing that we used for the cover of a 7 inch oh okay which not the album but it's a it's a seven inch which has two other Olivia Newton John songs, two songs that are not on the album. Plenty of uh, extra reason to to get that then as the uh, as a yeah. nice add on. I love that uh, collaboration you guys did. Uh, I should bring that up while we're here. Um, yeah, I don't care. I was just listening to the I don't care today. That was great. Um, is, is there ever a chance that you guys are going to ever do that again? Was this just a one off? Um, we might do it again. It's something that we talk about doing. Yeah. So, so I would, I would, ne- I would definitely say that that door is open. The other big release you've got going on, I'll bring up, is the 25th anniversary. Was it the 25th anniversary of Hey Babe? Is that what That's it is? That's what they tell me. Yeah. They say. I don't know. <laughs> have Sounds you about to, right. Yeah. Have you had to go back and listen to it yourself? Did you put an ear on it? I did. It's. I don't often go back and listen to my old stuff, but um, I was really pleasantly surprised. I was proud for the maybe for the first time I felt felt proud of it and I, yeah I, I think it's it's a really good um document of a time and a place in in my brain and heart and soul at the time it's a good documentation of a lot of um friends people people i was hanging around with and making music with there's a lot of guest friends on the album playing on that album like um well lots of people i've noticed uh, uh, i was talking so i had tanya donnelly on the show the other day you know, uh-huh. and belly are back together and everything. And I was like, you know, it's amazing time right now because like that scene to me was one of, I'll call it the Boston scene or whatever. was one of the coolest things that, you know, sort of came out of the nineties and, and it's all happening again with all the same names and all the music is just as good. Yeah. I guess it's something about like, I don't know. I think people are just feeling like the world's going to end. So we might as well get out there and have some fun before it ends. You know, like let's see who we can, let's just like laugh. Splash. Oh, last splash. That's funny. I'm using um, yeah, referencing right. the breeders right. who are back. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Or maybe it's like a an age thing. Maybe it's like twenty after twenty five years, you kind of reassess your legacy and makes people kind of think about you know, like did we really did we really get it, get it done right? Do we want to try it again? Do we have anything more to say? And I think a lot. Of it's I think that if you're if you're a creative person and you have a compulsion to make art work it's i don't think it's an impulse or a compulsion that really goes away i think that we always want to be making stuff for people to hear or to read or whatever it is i think it's just like it's an ongoing concern it doesn't stop well i you know one of the nice things i, I guess of having 
it just be your name, you know, instead of a band name is you don't really have to think about, you know, the whole reuniting thing all the time. I'm sure that, you know, it's like you're yeah. just you. You're always putting out the music. So that's... <laughs> although the although the Blake Babies, my old band, have done a few shows in the past couple of years. We did last, um, I, think it was, I think in November we did three shows with Letters to Cleo, which is another band mm-hmm. that was coming back and doing some stuff after a long hiatus. Well, I, I love hearing all the music, but you know, I'm always—I tell you—I'm always such a fan of when you put something out, and and uh, this is right up there. The cool thing about this Olivia Newton-John record—they uh, are her songs, and they are her classics. But the way you've done them in another universe, this could have easily been your record. You know, when I listened to it, I was like, "This is a Juliana Hetfield record." You know, that's well, awesome. Thank you. That's a good compliment. That that makes me feel good because I do want to make the songs my own when I'm playing and singing them and I and I I don't just want to pretend that I'm somebody else or I don't want to just pay homage I want to actually get inside the songs and live inside of them and become them or or they or you know I kind of found myself in the songs that's what it felt like and it was very although it was a complicated jigsaw puzzle it also felt natural when I started to really get my hands around the meat and the bones of the songs it started to feel just like very very natural to to um play them and sing them well i hope i get to uh catch a few of them live too like i said i think it'll be a lot of fun to to hear these kind of spread out throughout the sets yeah they i've been doing i did i've done a couple of um low-key shows with um a mostly new bunch of people and it's been it's been really interesting to play them live really kind of Fun. Well, thank you for the music, uh, Juliana. Or as I see from the Twitter, I should call you Julianne, I think. Julianne, yeah. Someone at the, the barista called me Julianne, and it, uh, it sounded so pretty. I want to change my name to Julianne. <laughs> Julianne Hatfield. It's not a huge jump, you know? It's not. If you say it enough times, everybody will think, no, that's what it always was, right? And you can confuse them into a, the right direction. There are, people are always misspelling my name anyway. Yeah. So some people won't even notice the change. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much again for the music and uh, for taking the time to talk today. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, we'll see you around. Okay, bye. All right, bye. And again, that uh, Juliana Hatfield record comes from uh, just in 2018 discussing the Olivia Newton-John cover record. Right before that, she had released another record called Pussycat. This one talked about a lot of the current events that's been going on. So we get into that as well as her solo beginnings. She was just celebrating the 25th anniversary of those solo beginnings. So that's all in this interview. Part three of Kyle Meredith with Juliana Hatfield. I know it's a story that you're probably telling a lot right now, but the story of this album is notable because of where it came from and, and why. Yeah, well, I, I mean, for me, it was it took me by surprise because I was I had been feeling very uninspired for quite a while, and just I felt like I had nothing to say, nothing to write about, and I was wondering if I would ever feel the desire to write a song ever again, and then. And then the presidential election started happening, all that stuff, the run-up to the election, and then the election, and then I just suddenly had a whole lot that I wanted to write about. And so the album was very much inspired by current events and just um, the situation and how, how people are feeling. And the writing and the recording all happened very fast, and almost it was almost as if I was uh, I was not even fully conscious of it. I was being pulled along by this creative force, and yeah, it was just something that I was compelled to do, and it took me by surprise. And I guess that's what happens sometimes. You know, it's interesting though, as as I'm talking to a lot of artists who are writing about similar themes, it's you almost have an advantage of on them though about the directness of these songs because most of them were writing from the point of view of, of what if this happens. And and I'm finding a lot of artists that, you know, they started writing the record at the beginning of 2016 or whatever when it was just like a, what if this happens, what would it look like? And, and suddenly their songs sort of take on a change. But you had the unfortunate luxury of being very fresh about it all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was a little worried about it, actually, because I... That part of the urgency I felt about recording it and having it released was um, I was a, I was afraid that by the time the album was released, uh, the subject matter would be not relevant anymore cause, because everything changes so fast and I you know I thought maybe the songs would be 
obsolete already by the time the record came out. Like, you know, there's a song called Kellyanne, and maybe by the time anyone heard the song, Kellyanne could, would have been fired, you know? Like, who knows? Mm-hmm. So I tried not to use too many specific details about, uh, you know, factual details. I did use the name Kellyanne, but I think that the song... There, there are... There's a history of songs with whose, whose titles are female names. Um, there's tons and tons of them, and I thought that the song um, could fit into that tradition of a song about a complicated song about a woman, you know, complicated feelings about a woman. And so, in ca- you know, in, I was thinking ahead, like in case Kellyanne disappears off the scene, like like McF- what, like Katrina Pearson. Remember her? Uh, no. The former spokeswoman. See, she disappeared. She kind of did. She was she was a spokesman for Trump like a while ago, and she, and she kind of disappeared. And so I was aware that Kellyanne could also disappear. But I wanted my song to still be enjoyable. So you know, with all due respect, I, I sort of wish that your songs had become irrelevant. I mean, I th- I really think that the album is just grappling with a lot of confusion and anger, and I think that the issues are going to continue to be problems. The issues that I'm grappling with are going... And the issues and the feelings are, are going to continue to be problems in, into the future. So yeah. I think, unfortunately, I think that the issues on the record are going to be relevant until the end of the world. Issues like sexism and stuff like that. I did, uh, when I was reading the you know the, the press release on it, I, I, and the way you kind of explain your songs in the same way you're doing there, it's like you were going through the uh, the seven stages of grief... Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole, the situation has forced me to accept the realities. I'm at at the acceptance stage. I'm accepting the fact that certain things like sexism and racism are here to stay. That's what, that, above all, that's what this election has made clear, that sexism, racism, etc. are so entrenched and ingrained and endemic in this culture, and um, that became really clear last year and this year and so i think that's what i've really come to terms with yeah which is horrible when you think about that i mean and, and i'll use the seg here to bring up even just the title of impossible song you know that's that, that was the first single here and and there is those times where it does feel completely impossible that you could see the you know schism that's out there being able to be you know stitched together in some way yeah it does feel like the country is more divided than ever. Um, I mean, it just seems that way. I don't know if it's true. I haven't been alive forever, but I also do think. I mean, extremes are just the extremes are just becoming more, uh, more clear. You know, the the gaps are widening, and and each and the feelings are getting stronger from each side. And and so in one in a way that's good because you see something like the women's march that happened, which was like one of the largest, if not the largest ever march. On Washington, that's a good thing, you mm-hmm. know. And people, people are very energized and motivated and mobilizing, and that's good to to make to wake pe- for people to be waking up is a good thing. And I also b- do believe that I mean, the impossible song is kind of a fantasy, the fantasy that people will, you know, be able to tone down their rage and just like step back and um, find some find things in common. I, I do think that when it really matters in crucial crisis moments people can do the right thing no matter what side they're on and, and i talk about it in i, I think I, was, I explained the song somewhere i was writing about the song somewhere the impossible song somewhere in it the idea the idea that you know like we all of us we all might have to rely on the kindness of a stranger at some point like if if something happens like I, you know if we fall if we fall down in the middle of the street and um i can't get up and there's a car coming hopefully someone will see and come and grab me and pull me out of the road and it won't matter if that person loves Trump or hates Trump, and it won't matter if I love Trump or hate Trump. You know, I think that there are moments where our common humanity has to take precedence over anything else. Yeah. And I believe that I believe that it can and does, but still there's a lot of stuff that's really bad right now. Yeah. And it had, we, we, we've been there before, you know. I think we, in some ways we've been here before, and, and I think we have gotten to that yeah. point. But when you're in the thick of it, you know, forest for the trees scenario it's uh it's a bit daunting i guess yeah so hopeful 
there are definitely more direct songs, and we'll talk about you know the anger side of things, uh, as I've only heard the trio of uh, singles that are out there, but Short Finger Man, uh, right. you've done this great job <laughs> of writing just a great sing-along, if you want, um, yeah. you know, that, that becomes very uh, directed. And by the way, the video uh, is mesmerizing, the oh, way it's edited. It's good. completely mesmerizing. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I shot all that stuff myself, and then I sent all this footage to Caroline Jakes in New York, and I know she's a, she's a really good e- young editor, and I knew that um, like editing is what she likes to do, and she just did such a good job. She made a she she constructed a narrative out of all of my footage, random footage, and she did yeah a great job. I think. I don't know if it's outside of the politics, but there was one spot in an interview or in the press release that you said this is also a personal record. And I, I sort of got curious about your use of that word, if it's if you were alluding to something else that was not exactly political or it was more, you know, the uh, the old action movie line of now it's personal. Um, well, the so- I mean, the songs are really about my feelings. I'm trying to deal with my my rage and my confusion and my disgust and my little glimmers of hopefulness and, you know, all that stuff. It's, it is personal. It's about. It's my reactions and my discomfort, you know, my discomfort with my own reactions and trying not to be reactionary and trying to deal with the anxiety of looking at the news and stuff. And and so it is really all about um, me in a way, if you want to look at it like that. And 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 just the things that the things going on in the country and the culture have forced me and a lot of other people to have to deal with things in our own past. Like when like when the pussy grab leak tapes came out. Remember that? Right. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. The pussy grab the Trump talking about joking about grabbing a woman in the pussy. That really was a defining moment in my life, I think. Um and I think probably a lot of other women's lives. And it just all of this all of this stuff from my past, back to my childhood, up through the present day came rushing back up into my consciousness, some of it even maybe for the first time, realizing a lifetime of dealing with shit like that. Um, Like, I don't want to equate sexism with racism because they're different, but, you know, black people have to deal with racism every day of their lives. Women have to deal with sexism every day of their lives. They're different, but there are similarities. And I just, I always kind of ignored it. I was very stoic about it, like, ah, whatever. I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to get on with it, do my job. But... When that happened, when the man who was about to become the most powerful man in the country was saying these things, it just became really clear that it it just became so clear how pervasive sexism and misogyny truly are. And that's just, that changed me somehow. Having to confront that reality really consciously. I've always talked, I've always written about it. I've always from Dame with a Rod on my first Atlantic album. And I've always had protest songs and anti-sexism songs, anti-abuse, anti-emotional abuse. They've all, I've always been writing about it, but, but only half consciously. And now I think I'm just like finally fully conscious about the realities of things. And I guess that's what I'd go back to something you said earlier about, you know, that you expect that it will always be there. But at the same time, now that it's so much in the conversation, you know, there's there's got to be some hope that that does push everything in a more positive that, you know, if it's if more it people could, are talking it, about it. Yeah, it could also just push it in a more violent direction because people are more conscious and less willing to um, let it happen. Yeah. You know, I think that that the Trump uh, the election, the campaign, the election has empowered a lot of hateful people to release their hate publicly and proudly. And that is frightening. But no, maybe it also will lead, lead to um, more people fighting against hatred and, and lies. And yeah, it's just who knows what, what will come from this. It's frightening, but it's also kind of interesting to see, you know, changes or what changes will happen. Yeah. Now, from now. Well, you know, all of these things going into this record. I, I know it's, um, I don't know, it's it, the freedom of letting these songs arrive as they are so quick. Uh, you know, I know a lot of artists don't really take the chance, and, and you've talked about being a little bit frightened that it came so fast and it was out there, but it does put such a specific time stamp on them. But I've got to applaud you on 
the way you've made them. I mean, even if it did all go away tomorrow, I think these songs would still, you know, have a purpose and a relevance and and would still sound great, too. Thanks. I hope so. I hope they're not totally irrelevant. I don't think they will be. I think they're still, they'll still... I've, I mean, like I said, I have a long history of throwing protest songs in, in among my albums. People might not notice, but this is just... Um, this album just has more protest songs than yeah. my other albums do, I think. And I'll, you know, outside of that, I'll also say, is it possible that your voice has not changed in 25 or 30 years? Oh, don't say that. I hope it has. I mean, it, I, no, I mean, you can go back go back and listen to the Blake Babies. My voice has definitely gotten a little bit lower, I think. Yeah. A little bit. Just a little bit, though. I mean, it's, a little. Uh, it's still so, I don't know, uh, uh, I don't know the word for it, but... It, you have a very smooth, well, it's smooth I have a, body. I have it. a yeah. clear. You know why? It's because I have a clear conscience, <laughs> and I live. Uh, it's also clean living. You know, I've never really. I've never been into drugs or drinking a lot. So ho- ho- I think that maybe that helps. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just genetic. Mm-hmm. I try not to. I try to live a clean, healthy life and have a clear conscience and not um, have secrets and lies in my life. It's worked. You still sound fantastic. Thank you. I'm tired now. You can hear my voice. It's like, Ugh. Morning. I have a morning voice right now. Yeah, I brought that up, and, and someone published that. I think it was Diffuser, they, you know, the 25th anniversary of going solo. Had you even realized that? Because I thought I saw a tweet that it sounded like you hadn't even paid attention no, to that. No, I mean, I lose, I lose track of time. I don't keep, I don't keep track of my history. And, my, and about, I always hate a history in school. Dates, I don't keep track of dates. And, and I, don't, I can't even tell you how many albums I've made. I lost track of that. <laughs> And there are so many side projects and mm-hmm. collaborations. I really can't even count the albums at this point. I'm not really an um, anniversary marker. I'm not an anniversary celebrator. I don't. I don't care, really care about that stuff. But, and it just surprises me though when when I realize how fast time goes. It's kind of shocking. Yeah. Well, somebody out there is keeping track for us all. So that's good. Yeah, there are archivists out there who do that work for me. Without my knowing it. <laughs> well, Juliana, it's been a really a real pleasure to talk to you today, and I'm so excited about this record, uh, at least for the sound of it and the fun songs, you know, aside from the content. But uh, I do love it, so thank you so much for uh, for talking. Well, thanks for talking to me. And we'll see you around. Okay. All right, Bye. Take care. Bye. And a big thanks to Juliana Hadfield. The new record is called Weird. And hey, if you haven't taken that moment to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now, please do. Uh, You can do so on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Basically, again, wherever you're listening from right now, just go ahead and hit that subscribe button right now. After that, you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. You can also find some bonus episodes of this series over there. You can also find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, Facebook slash Kyle Meredith, that does it for this episode. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.